Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Come on, welcome back, Christ Uncensored. Can we just give God a shout of praise in our living room, in our kitchens, wherever we are. Maybe some of us are tuning in from vacation before it starts getting cold out here in New York, but we ought to give God a praise. And I don't know if you can notice, I'm sure you can, we are in our new location. Right now, God has opened up the doors for our church our church community to come and gather physically beginning October 4th. And I said, let us give our church family a sneak preview. So I am on stage right now. I'm excited. Uh, and, and I got to give you a warning because I'm on stage. I might sound a little preachy to us today because I mean, I feel the preacher's itch right now. I'm super excited. I'm super excited because we're here. I'm super excited because we're about to meet physically and I'm Excited because we're about to unpack part three of relationship rehab. Part three. So, our anchoring verse began in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 speaks about Jesus sharing a story about a man who built a house on the rock and a man who built a house on sand. And he says, if you listen to my words... You are like the man that built his house on a rock. The storm came, the floods came, and nothing happened to the house. But if you don't listen and apply, if you just listen and don't apply my words, if you you choose to just be a hearer and not a doer of what I am sharing with you, then you are like the man who built his house on sand. And when the storms of life come, the, the house collapses. The house is destroyed. And we are now gonna jump into what I think is part two of last week's message, and it's Romans chapter 12, verse two. Last week, we spoke about breaking the patterns. There's so many patterns that we have in relationships that need to be broken. Sometimes they're patterns that are somewhat chains in our lives. They're generational patterns, generational curses, generational examples that we need to break, uh, examples that have been seen through, through um, Hollywood and they have been seen through pop culture. But I just think that we're not just going to break those patterns. We're going to replace them by developing good habits. And today's title is The Habits of a Healthy Relationship. And I know some of us may not even know what it means or feels like to be in an authentic, genuine, healthy relationship. I'll tell you right now, you begin to develop these habits they will turn into patterns. And those patterns will ultimately lead us to having a whole, happy, healthy relationship. Romans chapter 12 tells us, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will so many times we want to know what god's perfect and pleasing will for our marriage in our life is that won't happen until we stop copying the patterns of this world and begin to renew our minds and many times what affects our thought life are the behaviors that we practice and they become cyclical 
So the behaviors of that we practice become our thoughts and our thoughts then begin to dictate our behaviors. I want to talk to you once again on this subject, the habits of a healthy relationship. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for these moments that we're going to have together. Lord, I'm, I believe you're using me as your vessel, but this is something that you want to share with every person and everyone in a relationship, with every marriage that is present. Lord, speak to us, including me, Lord. Even as you speak through me, speak to me. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's people say, amen and amen. I think that it's an obvious question. We know the answer to this question. It's an obvious answer. Do you have bad habits? Do you have bad habits? I think I look at Lisa. She looks at me. She's like, you got a bad habit of, of leaving the toilet seat. Um, you have a bad habit of, of leaving the toilet seat down. And I'm like, you have a bad habit of leaving the toilet seat up or reverse one of them. She's like, you have a bad habit of leaving toilet seat up. And I'm like, you have a bad habit of leaving the toilet seat down depending on how you view it, right? But there are funny bad habits. I looked up some funny quotes on bad habits, and one of the quotes that I found pertaining to bad habits is, is uh, a meme that said, I don't have bad habits. I'm good at all of them. Where's Marcus when you need him, right? I saw another meme. It was, hilar it was hilarious. That meme said, Bad habits are like a comfortable bed. It's so easy to dive into it, but it's so hard to get out of it. <laughs> and, the hard, and, the, and, the, and the funniest bad uh, habit quote that I saw, it was bad habits. Uh, laziness is the mother of bad habits, but she's still a mother and you got to respect her. And all the lazy people say, amen and amen. Bad habits could be funny, but bad habits could be powerful. See, bad, bad habits, when it comes to marriage, are everything. See, the habits that we practice in a marriage will dictate the quality and the future of that marriage. When you look at a successful relationship, all you have to see is, is not that they just magically got there. You know that there was hard work put into it, and part of that hard work was the habits that they had. There's a quote by John Maxwell. He says, you will never change your life until you change something that you do on a daily basis. You see, the secret to your success is found on what you do in routine. When it comes to marriage, it's not what you do once in a while. It's not what you do sometimes. It's not what you do occasionally. What determines a relationship or the quality of that relationship or the success of that relationship, let me be honest with you, it's what you put into practice on a regular basis. The success of a marriage, are, the successful marriages are simply people who have successful relationship habits. You become what you repeatedly do. Your marriage will become what you repeatedly practice. Your relationship will become what you repeatedly practice. And essentially what a habit is, is it's an acquired behavior that if you put into practice long enough, it all automatically becomes a behavior that you do without even thinking. And scientifically, it has been proven 
that it only takes about 60 days to develop a new habit. I find that interesting because so many times we are willing, it's amazing what we are willing to put up with for 60 years because of what we are not able to do for 60 days. See, so many times we're willing to endure lifestyles and behaviors and, and even uh, grips on our lives and, 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 and be contained and be, have these, these uh, chains over our lives that cannot be broken, not because they can't, but because of what we are unwilling to do for 60 days. Someone shout habits. See, you can, you can change any situation you are in if you are willing to develop good habits. And when it comes to marriage, there is no marriage that is successful by accident. It's going to take work. Listen, uh, uh, a great leader once said, he said, you either, if your habits don't line up with your dreams, you got to change either your dream or your habits. See, if, if your habits don't line up to the picture that you desire, you're never going to get there. So you might as well change the picture that you desire or you can keep the picture that you desire and change your habits. <laughs> See, if the marriage that I have right now is not the marriage that I know God has called me to be in, then, then I got to put in the work. I got to put there is no relationship that is successful, that looks like a dream relationship, that looks like a dream marriage without them putting in work. Someone shout work. And so the good news is that no matter how bad your relationship is, no matter how bad your marriage is, your marriage can be changed if you're willing to change your habits. Someone shout habits. And so uh, there's a speaker by the name of Jimmy Evans and he has been a blessing to my life. He has a marriage ministry. He has a course called The Habits of a Healthy Marriage. And that ministry has been uh, a blessing to my, my life and to my marriage. It has taught me so much. And what I would like to do today is I want to I share with you what, what has blessed me. I want to share a little bit what has blessed me. And I think that if we're going begin to begin to develop habits, I want to give you the first one that we have to begin developing. And the first habit that we got to build in order to have a healthy relationship or a healthy marriage. And in the primary audience that I'm speaking to is marriage, but I also want to speak to people who are in a committed relationship. If you're in a committed relationship where you can see marriage right around the corner, where you feel like, hey, this is the person I'm going to marry, then you're the target audience I want to speak to today. Now, this can apply if you're single. This can also apply if you're just dating. But if you're in a committed relationship that you can see marriage in your future, then this is the message you ought to hear. Here's the first habit we have to develop. And the first habit is the faith habit. And the faith habit, write this down, says we make praying regularly a priority. We make praying regularly a priority. See, in my own marriage, this is a, this is a habit that is increasingly being developed in our relationship. I want to be honest. I'm even a little embarrassed to share that, but... For the first few years of our marriage, man, it was very, it was very seldomly that Lisa and I would pray together. 
It's no wonder for the first five years we endured so much trauma. Our relationship became so toxic. But we have learned the importance of making prayer a priority. Has it ever, has it ever occurred to you? Has, has, have you ever thought about why is it so difficult for me to pray with her? Why is it so difficult for me to pray with him? See, we, we used to pray to we used to pray apart. Like my prayers about Lisa when she wasn't around, oh, they were serious. They were serious. Lord, how dare you? The woman you gave me. But there's something about when you come together. There's something. And here's the thing. The reason that successful marriages develop this habit, the faith habit of making prayer a priority in their life, is because there's an understanding that there are some blessings in the Bible that are not made available to anybody individually. There are certain blessings that are in the Bible that are, that are made to be absorbed by a unit. They're made to be absorbed about, by two becoming one. There are blessings that, are, that God has given for a marriage that have become one. Not a marriage of just two individuals uh, under a contract, but a marriage that has placed him first. And when you understand that God has united two people together, look what the Bible says, so that no one can separate. You understand what God is trying to do. God is trying to establish unity and oneness in a relationship so that you can be prepared to absorb the blessing that he has waiting for your life. Mark chapter 10, it says, for, the re for this reason, a man will leave his parents and be wedded to his wife and the husband and wife will be joined as one flesh. And after that, they no longer exist as two. There's too many relationships that are existing as two. I often get questions, Pastor Rowe, is it okay to do this and they're married? I say, does it promote oneness? Does it promote your oneness? Hey, I know we're together right now, you know, and we're thinking about marriage, but, you know, I'm still, you know, my ex is still my best friend. No, no, no. Excuse me. Excuse me. Does that promote oneness? Does it promote the two becoming one? Or is it creating division and separation? It says the two be, will stop living and existing as two, but as one flesh. So there you have it. What God has joined together, no one can tear apart. Can I tell you right now that the enemy hates your marriage? I know that this is not popular preaching, but let me tell you something. The enemy hates unity. If you want to see the hand of the enemy, all you have to see is look at where there is division. Because wherever there is division, you will see the hand of the enemy. Here's why. Because the enemy knows that if he can destroy the marriage, he can destroy the, the family unit. I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. And if he can destroy the family unit, he can also destroy the way the, the, the spreading of the gospel See, in old times that you would, you would preach to the, to the leader of the home, the husband. And because that husband got saved, the whole family, they were operating as one. So the whole family got saved. 
Nowadays, one person gets saved and no one gets saved because the family unit has been broken for so many years. But I came to tell somebody today that God loves your marriage and that God is for your marriage and God is waiting for you to connect with him and make prayer a priority with him so that there will be no division in your relationship. What happens when you begin to pray together is that you begin to create a unity within your marriage, a unity between you two, a unity between your bond in that place you it's two coming together and the father and the holy spirit father son and holy spirit is present with you that no devil no demon no flesh can stand up against you see ecclesiastics 4 verse 12 says a person standing alone can be attacked a person standing alone can be attacked have you ever noticed that a wolf always goes for the sheep that has gone astray have you ever noticed that the, the wolf always is looking for the, for the weakest? See, the enemy, what he does is that he is looking to create division so that he can begin to attack one by one. But when you begin to pray, when you begin to come together, look what the Bible says. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better. Can I tell you what happens when you begin to pray with your spouse? Husband, can I tell you what happens when you begin to pray with your wife? Wife, can I tell you what happens when you begin to pray with your husband? When you choose not to see each other as the enemy, but you guys join forces and begin to connect with the power source, which is Jesus Christ. It says, but a three are better than one. Guess what? Is you, is your husband, and it's God. It's you, it's your wife, and it's God. And it says, uh, it says, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The reason that we have broken marriages is because we have not developed the habit of faith. And the habit of faith says that we're going to make praying regularly a priority. We're going to pray together. Not individually. Oh, I'm good. I'm good, Pastor. I pray on my own time. And well, I pray I see God on my own time. No, 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 no. Come together. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you start coming together and pray, you start seeing how difficult it becomes. Well, you have to say, no, no, no. We're going to stop what we're doing right now. And we're going to pray. We're going to stop what we're doing and we're going to pray. We're not going to let a week go by. I've spoken to so many marriages and I'm like, Man, there's so much chaos and tension. And, and I said, hey, do you guys pray together? Well, you know, we, we pray, but we don't pray together. Well, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't like praying in front of my husband. I don't pray, like praying in front of my wife. It's just, you know, my relationship with God is something. No, no, no. You, you don't understand. When you begin to develop the habit of faith, which says that we're going to pray together, God begins to intertwine you together like never before. Husband, can I tell you, when your wife begins to hear you pray for her, her heart begins to melt for you. That's a little secret. Little secret. Husband, when you begin to pray for her, when you begin to speak life into her, hear me, she begins to melt before you. So habit number one. Habit number two, write this down, is the fun habit. It's the fun habit. And the fun habit says we take devoted time together doing something we enjoy. Listen to me. You are at your best when you are having fun. 
I want you to think about that. You're at your best when you're having fun. Your relationship is at its best when you are both having fun. Proverbs chapter 17 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. I'll be honest, you take out sexual intimacy and fun out of a marriage, all you have is a, com- is a convenient arrangement. That's all you have. You have a business relationship. And the, the most successful marriages are the marriages that practice the habit of fun. Pastor, you don't understand, we have the kids, and the kids take our priority. You don't understand, we, we have, we're working. There's many husbands that are working over 60 hours a week. Many wives that are putting the kids to sleep, and many fathers that only get to kiss their kids goodnight, and, and they don't understand that a pro, it has to be a priority to include fun into your life. The most successful relationships say we are going to prioritize and we're going to devote time together that we both enjoy. Here's where you learn how to become best friends. Can I tell you, ladies, a secret? What men associate with health is fun. I don't care how financially stable you may be. If it is fun, if fun has been sucked out of the relationship, men will interpret that as an unhealthy relationship or a miserable relationship. But you tell me a relationship, a man sees a relationship that is fun and energetic and they want to be a part of, let me tell you, that man will, that man will go above and beyond any task that is at hand. I love uh, my relationship with Lisa because we, when we entered a relationship, she was a boxing fan. I don't like boxing, but um, she did like boxing. I don't like boxing because, let's just be honest, it's a limited form of combat. I, I'm for the real deal, which is mixed martial arts. But... Introducing her to mixed martial arts, now, nine years later, you know who's my favorite person to watch a fight with? It's Lisa. I tell her the fight that's on, she's like, oh, baby, that fight is on? What? Nick Diaz is fighting? Oh, baby, we got to watch it. I was like, baby, we don't have the $60 for the pay-per-view. No, nah, baby, we got we to gotta do something about it. We got to order that somehow. I'm going to make sure that we watch. It's fun! The things her and I enjoy is entertainment and food. You want to know an amazing vacation for Lisa and I is anywhere that there's entertainment and food. And Lisa and I will enjoy ourselves. We make it a practice to take some time. And this is what I would recommend for all of us. If you're in a relationship, make it intentional to have devoted time to be together Doing something that you both enjoy. Make that intentional. Because if, if you start eliminating all the things that bring joy to your life, then what you'll do is that you'll start experiencing, well, the kids are the priority, the job is the priority, the 401k, the retirement. And by the time the kid's out of the house and you're retired, well, what are we supposed to do with each other? We have lost the fun. But the most successful relationships, they practice the faith habit and they practice the fun habit. The third habit they practice is the friendship habit. And here's what the friendship habit habit says. Hear me. Write this down. We develop friendships 
that will nurture our relationship. We develop friendships that will nurture our relationship. What does that mean? It means that I got to get around people. I got to get around relationships that are going to speak life into my marriage. I got to get around couples that are going to speak life into my marriage. I think it's concerning if you're in a relationship, and I think two of the worst things that you can do, listen to this, two of the worst things that you can do if you are in a committed relationship is number one, isolate yourself from everyone. I become increasingly concerned with relationships that choose to completely hide their relationship and and keep their relationship from anyone. No one knows, no one hangs out with us, no one holds us accountable because when you begin to hide, there is nobody speaking life into you. There's no one speaking God's word into you. There's no one holding you accountable. There's no one seeing the potential. There's no one calling you out on your stuff. And so the, one of the worst things that you can do if you are in a relationship is completely isolate yourself from healthy relationships around you. And here's the second thing that, that you can do that... I think that is detrimental to any relationship is not only if if you're not isolating yourself, you're around couples that are unsuccessful, that are miserable, that are toxic. Sometimes we become victims of simply what's around us, but we have to make the, the intentional decision to say, you know what? I need to get around some people that are not just going to point the finger and judge me or look down on me or speak death into me or criticize me, but I need to be around some relationships that's going to see the best in me, that's going to see the value in me, that's going to see the potential of my calling. Somebody, somebody shout God is good in this place. I need to develop the friendship habit. And this is something that Lisa and I saw from the very beginning as something is important. Because we understood one thing. That bad company corrupts good character. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, bad company corrupts good character. And sometimes... Our relationships are deteriorating for the one reason that we are around unsuccessful, unhappy, miserable examples of a relationship. And this is not in a, in a judgmental way that it's being, it's just the reality of what life sometimes brings us, like, but we're not exposed to good, healthy relationships. Hey, we might not be responsible for every predicament we are in, but we are responsible for, for remaining in the predicaments that we are in. Because all we have to do is begin to decide to develop the good habits. Look at a relationship. There are some great relationships in, in Lisa and I's marriage that have spoken life into us. That we go to them from time to time and we share with them and we surround ourselves with couples, with marriages that have seen success. It's different when you speak to somebody that's been married. 
for 20 years and now ex experiencing the joy of marriage. We have to develop the friendship habit. Last but not least is number four. And habit number four is, write this down, it's the fighting fair habit. The fighting fair habit. We have to develop the faith habit, which says that we are going to pray together regularly. We have to, we have to develop the habit that says we are going to have fun. We're going to devote time together. And we have to develop the friendship habit that says that we are going to have relationships around us that are going to speak life into us. And we have to develop the fighting fair habit. And the fighting fair habit says that we are intentional, listen to this, about resolving conflicts without attacking each other. How do we, what, what, what do you mean, you, wait, you could fight without attacking? Yeah, it's called fighting fair. See, so many of us, when we get into a fight, it's like no holds bar. You get into a, a fight with your wife and it's no holds bar. You get a fight into, with your husband, it's no holds bar. There's no rules of engagement. It's like you're an all-out war, like this is your enemy. And there's something called fighting fair. It's okay, and next week, it's okay to fight. Next week, we're going to, in fact, we're going to take about 45 minutes next week, and we're going to unpack how is it that we can fight fair? How is it that we can really learn how to resolve conflict? Because the truth is that we are always going to experience some level of conflict in our relationships. An unhealthy marriage, by definition, listen to this, by definition, is a relationship that cannot resolve conflict in a healthy way. And I think that we've picked up these bad patterns and bad habits in our life where we are, I mean, we have different, the reason that we can't resolve conflict is because we have not learned how to resolve our own anger. Oh, this is good. Ruben, this is psychology 101 right here. The reason that we have not been able to learn how to resolve conflict with others is because we have not learned how to resolve the anger within ourselves. And so many of us deal with anger differently. I mean, I know uh, growing up, it was different with different people. And, and, and um, uh, there are some people I want to call the silencers. You know, you know who you are. You know who you are. I'm not, ta I'm not talking to you. And you, don't, you won't say a word. And you give the silent treatment. And you ball it up inside. And you don't say a word. You make sure that you make them feel your pain. And you stay shut for three days. And how do you know the conflict has been resolved? Because you start talking again. And then there's the yellers, right? The yellers, oh, oh, there's conflict? What happens? The problem occurs, you got anger? Oh, you begin to escalate that voice and you become a yeller. Well, I told you! And that's how you deal with your anger. There's the avoiders. There's the ones that I'm going to lock myself in my room and you ain't going to see me. Then there's the breaker-uppers. You know the breaker-uppers that they, they're looking to hit that eject button at any given moment. Like, oh, I even smell. Oh, I'm out of here. Like, I'm not even trying to fight. I'm dealing with this anger. This is how I deal with this anger. I just break up with people. And you know, you know, you know what that looks like. You know, what, what do you mean you? <laughs> uh, what do you mean that you couldn't get me my coffee on the way back from work? What do you mean? Oh, no, is that, you know, I, no, 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 no. You couldn't get me my coffee on the way back from work? Conflict, conflict alert. And that's okay. No, no, baby, I was tired. Well, listen, 
If you couldn't get me coffee, then it means that you couldn't make time for me. But I was tired. No, no, okay, so if you were tired, then it means that you put your feelings above minds. And if you put your feelings above minds, that means that you're a little selfish. And let me tell you something. If you're selfish, that means you're not ready for a relationship. And if you're not ready for a relationship, then that means that we shouldn't be in one. Guess what? We're breaking up. And someone shout amen. We got the breaker up. Is that we looking to hit that eject button? Because coffee wasn't delivered. We saw all the patterns that led to a breakup. And some of us have even entered violent ways of dealing with our anger. Violent ways of dealing with our anger. And I got to be honest, Lisa and I got so toxic that we began to tiptoe on that bridge of almost getting violent. It began to get there. And that's when we saw that we needed help. And we needed to go to relationship rehab. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, verse 26, it says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. I want to read it in the English standard. It says, be angry. Watch this. But do not sin. Do not let the sun. Uh, many times we don't see that correlation. It says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. See, it's not a sin to be angry, but it's a sin to let your anger go from today to tomorrow. Look what it says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Here's why, because while you're going to sleep, the devil's going to work. And so many times we're like, we go to sleep angry and we let the anger of yesterday carry into the anger of today and we are allowing the enemy to work in our minds because it says that when you don't settle your anger you allow that anger to creep into your tomorrow but while you're sleeping don't let the sun go down on your wrath don't let the sun go down on your anger the devil's going to work and the devil is allowing is creating a filter in your mind on how you are to look at your wife. And let me tell you something about the devil, that he will always paint a distorted picture of your spouse before you. This is why the Bible calls him the accuser, because he's going he's gonna to start speaking. Oh, did you, did you see that? Oh, he, he answered her text, but not yours. Oh, did you see the way she said amen to Michael Todd? She don't say amen to your preachings like that. That's right. That's right. She's, she's preacher cheating on me. She's preacher. <laughs> did, I just, did I just make that up? You preacher cheater? Preacher cheating on me. How dare you listen to another preacher and amen him more than me? You allow the enemy to create a filter. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm making it basic and simple and facetious, but let me tell you something. It is real. And so many relationships need to learn how to process their anger today so that they can experience a healthy relationship tomorrow. 
And, 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 and what we need to do in order to learn how to resolve and fight fair, here's a, just a couple of things. I want to give them to you. To, uh, next week, we're going to unpack it thoroughly. But I just want to give you just some pointers right now that if your relationship right now doesn't know how to fight fair, here's the things that you need to catch right now. Here's, here's the first one. Address the issue and not don't attack the person. We're going to address the issue. So many times, did you, do you realize that we have an issue in front of us and we never address the issue? We start just attacking one another. First five years of my relationship, all I did was attack Lisa. She attacked me. I attacked her. She attacked me. She complained about me. I criticized her. She complained about me. I criticized her. But we never really dealt with the issue. Number two, don't bring up the past. Don't bring up the past. You want to learn how to fight fair? So many of us don't know how to have healthy relationships because we don't know how to resolve conflict. And we don't know how to resolve conflict because we don't know how to, how to fight fair. Fighting fair says that we're not going to bring up the past issues. Okay, I know that something happened in the past, but we're not going to bring that up to resolve this situation. Let's not attack the person. Let's address the situation. Let's not bring up the past. Let's deal with the present of what's happening right now. Here, here's another secret weapon. Stay away from nevers and always. Well, you always, always leave the dishes there. You never pay attention to me. You never. I put, on a, I, put, I put on a singing reel the other day. Lisa didn't even like it. You never like my pictures. Stay away from nevers and stay away from always. You can communicate that as, honey, this has happened a couple of times. That, that eases off everything. See, when my wife tells me you always leave your dish and don't do it. In my mind, I'm, I'm defensive because I'm thinking, you know how many times I've done my dish that you have not even noticed? But when she says, honey, it's been a few times already that you've left your dishes there. Could you just make sure that by eight o'clock you have that done? See, it's different. So stay away from always and nevers. And here's the last one to resolve conflict, very easy, is at the end of the day, you have to choose to forgive. You have to choose to forgive. There are some things that are not worth continuously fighting for. There's, th there's some things that are part of Lisa's character. There are some things that are part of my character that I have to choose to forgive even before I get offended. I have to choose to forgive even before I get offended because God is still working in Lisa and God is still working in me. And you have to believe that God is still working in your husband and God is still working with your wife. And ultimately, when you create that, when you create that space where you can resolve conflict and you're not hurting each other, you'll create a space where your wife feels like she can come and share her feelings with you without being undermined. And your husband will feel like he can come to a safe place where he can share his feelings without feeling like he's being judged. And you learn how to develop that habit. A healthy marriage, a healthy relationship resolves and processes their feelings without letting it go to the next day. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be resolved in one day. But it means the feelings. It means that my anger is not going to be carried into the next day. And if you look at the life of Jesus, he practiced these habits. The life of Jesus showed that he would prioritize praying. The life of Je Jesus showed that he had friends 
that he would hold accountable and would be in his life and he would do life with. The life of Jesus showed that he had fun. I mean, he scared the life out of the disciples in the middle of the storm. That's hilarious. That's fun right there. The life of Jesus showed that he resolved the anger issue because he took upon the wrath of God on himself. He took his own wrath upon himself when he died for us on the cross. See, these habits are powerful, but these habits, but we're powerless to adapt them unless God changes our heart. I'm going to say that again. These habits are powerful, but we are powerless to practice them unless God changes our heart. That's why Romans says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. When you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with your heart and empower you to practice these habits, you will see the quality of your relationship transform. I want to pray for you today. And if you're here today, and, and, and I, I just really want to pray for marriage and relationships. I, I, I really believe that if our church has healthy marriages, our church will be healthy. If you're here today, uh, and you say, Pastor Ro, can you pray for my marriage? And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Ro, can you pray for my relationship? I'm in a committed relationship and I'm believing that that God wants me to marry this person. I'm, I'm believing that that's what I see in my future, I should say. And I want to pray for you because I want to, I really believe in, in seeing healthy, successful relationships. We have to change that for our generation. And if you're, today, if you're here today and you're saying, my heart needs to be transformed first, I need to receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I want to let you know that he died for all your sins and he's only waiting for you to receive his free gift of salvation. So that when you do, you would easily surrender your life to him. If that's you today, I want you to lift up your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. If your desire is to place your faith in Jesus, would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, dear Jesus, I receive your love. Therefore, I surrender my life. I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you died for me and rose again on the third day. And I thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. From this day forth, I am a new creation. I want to welcome you to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to go to kuha.com slash new. I know it might be feel a little tedious, but I just want to encourage you to do so. Let us know that you've made that commitment so that we can be in contact with you and, and even bless you with the Bible when we see you in person. If your marriage right now needs prayer, I want, I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person that's tuning in right now, Lord. Would you begin to transform the heart of their relationship, Lord? And because you've done that, Lord, that they will be able to develop these habits, Lord, that they will be able to, Lord Jesus, begin to make you the priority of their marriage, that they will make praying together a priority, that they will be able to be surrounded by friends, they will be able to make fun a priority, and ultimately that they will learn that they are not the enemy, but that there is an enemy, that their marriage can come together and defeat in unity. I thank you, Lord, that right now in this instant, marriages are being restored and healed. There's a relationship right now that's being healed. So I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name.
We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.